It's time for Vaughn Palmer, the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. And hey, you were absolutely right about the Auditor General <laughs> in British Columbia. You know what? I've I've met Michael Pickup a couple of times, the Auditor General. And when we talked about him this week about, well, why is the Auditor General doing this? In my mind, I thought, uh, he seems to be the kind of person who would do this. And now it sounds like he is doing this. Yes. So the Auditor General, in a letter to the opposition yesterday, sent copies to the government too, said, as a matter of fact, uh, my staff, are preparing a preliminary look at what's gone wrong at Lytton. So it's been two and a half years since the town was destroyed by fire. And as uh, the point has been made many times in the news coverage, nothing has happened. No homes rebuilt, no businesses rebuilt. Uh, people have died waiting back to get back in their homes at Lytton. So what happened here is the opposition uh, BC United met with the Auditor General over the summer, said, we think you should look into this. And they wrote him a letter and they didn't hear back. So on Monday night, the opposition uh, tried to get the Public Accounts Committee of the legislature, which is the one that oversees the work of the Auditor General, monitors it, that committee to pass a motion calling on the Auditor General formally to do a review, which you're allowed to do. Uh, the, the New Democrats voted it down. The last thing they want, Simi, is an independent review of anything that's gone on with Lytton because it's massively embarrassing to them since they promised Lytton, we have your back two and a half years ago and nothing has happened. Um, we talked about that yesterday. I wondered if the Auditor General would do it anyway. He has the power to do it if he wants to. Uh, you said, um, I think he's the kind of person that will do that. And sure enough, yesterday, a letter surfaces, uh, and in it, the Auditor General says, yes, I agree that this is something that would be valuable for my office to look into. He's preparing some sort of audit. We don't know the details, but this one is blown up in the government's face. The last thing they wanted is an audit. It sounds like they're going to get one. Uh, yes, they are. So what could this look like then? So how does this work? Well, you know, one of the things about this, I mean, first of all, the point to make about the Auditor General is he has in the reason the government cringes at the thought of a review by the Auditor General is the Auditor General's office, semi under law, has much greater access than is available to people who use the access to information, FOI. He can basically ask for any document in the government. And they can try not to give it to him, but basically he's got the power. And that can lead to some fairly sobering findings. So here's one of the things that we've heard in the rumor mill that is a problem at Lytton that the Auditor General should be able to confirm. As you know, because Indigenous people lived on the site of Lytton for thousands of years, one of the reasons you can't just dig up the, the ground and start building is because of the Heritage Act. You have to get an archaeological permit and you have to follow it through. Now, we've been hearing, Simi, that the big holdup is not with Indigenous people. It is not with um, just the lack of funding. There is a huge backlog at the provincial government archaeological processing office. There are archaeological firms up there and builders who say, hey, we've got the money. We're willing to go ahead. We understand we have to do this. Can't get a permit. Can't get going ahead because the it's stalled in the bureaucracy. I've heard that, Simi. I don't know to what degree it's the problem. 
but the Auditor General can go in and get the real correspondence, interview the people involved, no guff about FOI or anything, and get us the answer. And that's one of the most useful things that Michael Pickup could do here. Okay, but this will take a while. It will take a while. The Auditor General, the Act, one of the reasons the Auditor General's findings are so authoritative is they are also methodical. So, you know, we this isn't going to speed things up for people in Lytton right now. This is going to be post-mortem. So it could take a year and a half. Also, Sammy, I have to say from experience, I've been watching this for a long time, there is a manual, perhaps not written down in government, on how to stall, delay, and divert the Auditor General. The bureaucracy knows the, the tricks very well. This will be a struggle. The New Democrats do not want the Auditor General doing this. They will try to constrain the limits of his inquiry. They will push back at his findings, and they will do all sorts of other things. So this is a struggle, but... The battle is joined. I think it's very encouraging that Michael Pickup is going to look into this and he and his office will be under no illusions about what they're up against. Okay. So yes, we look forward to hearing more on that. That will certainly get a lot of headlines for the Auditor General. Oh, I think it would, but you know, that's why the office is there. I mean, you go way back to when it was created. Bill Bennett was Premier of BC. Following the NDP, he created this office and gave it the power to independently audit and assess what the government is doing. And from time to time, we've had reports from the Auditor General, not as many as I would like to see, but when the Auditor General gets his teeth into it, in fact, the first Auditor General of BC, Irma Morrison, was a her, and she did terrific work, uh, they can do an awful lot of good in the public interest, and they are, as I said, their access is awe-inspiring. You and I can only dream of what it is like to be the Auditor General and go in and say, no, I don't want any guff. Give me the damn file. That's the way it works, and it is no wonder the government fights back. The bureaucracy loathes the idea of being audited by the Auditor General. All right, we are back now with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. And Vaughn, I got to tell you, I I hate talking about this next subject because I hate every time this story is back because it means that nothing is improving. It's a very disturbing story. We've got an audit report internal, Ministry of Children and Family Development, looking at the question of are social workers checking up on children in care and what are they finding? So Katie Hislop of the TIE got a hold of the report. She posted it online. It runs 18 pages. People can read it. But the executive summary is this. Um, The ministry isn't checking up on uh, children in care nearly as often as they should. And when they do check up, they're finding a lot of noncompliance. So uh, I I say children in foster care. All of this matters, of course, Simi, because of that horrible case that we talked about earlier this year, where the ministry failed to check up on two Indigenous children who were in an Indigenous foster home, and we had one child killed, beaten to death, and another one abused horribly. The case went to court. You had a judge who must have been sickened by the details. They're online. I am not going to repeat them, but uh, the, the... the two perpetrators, uh, the two Indigenous foster parents, pleaded guilty. 
10 years in jail. You'd think in the wake of that, that the ministry would have smartened up. And, you know, the ministry's known about this problem for a while, because even though the case only came to light this year, the events happened some time ago. These things take time to go through. So that report is devastating. And it tells us, Simi, to some degree what you said, which is, The problem is not fixed. The child and youth representative, Jennifer Charlesworth, is looking at it and going, yeah, the same thing. Like, she's got to look into this, but it's incredible that that ministry still isn't doing its job to check up on children in foster care when we know in horrible, sick-making detail what can happen if they don't do their job. And some of the details in this uh, story and this report are just so oh. awful. I should mention that Katie Hislop is actually joining us later in the show this Good. morning, Vaughn, because we wanted to talk more about it. Like, they weren't even doing the minimum. Like, not oh. one checkup in a year. Not even the first basic yeah. checkup. Yeah. No, it, 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 it is incredible. And yet, as I said, it isn't hypothetical. We know how bad it can be if they don't do their job. And we know they're still not doing their job. Um, this, uh, her findings, uh, this report uh, provided a dramatic moment in the legislature during question period yesterday. And I know, you know, people don't follow question period and it isn't always worth doing it. But every now and then there's a flash in question period and you go, uh, that is what the opposition is there for. So you've got Adam Olson, the Greens, one of the best speakers in the legislature and one of the most eloquent and the listener can go into the uh, Hansard feed. It's about a quarter of the way, 10 minutes into the 30-minute question period. And Olson gets up and he goes after the Minister of Children and Family Development, Mitzi Dean, Mm -hmm. on this. And he says two things. He said, one, this report is so devastating, that ministry needs to be rebuilt brick by brick from the ground up. This has gone on too long. The second thing he does is he accuses the New Democrats very effectively, Simi, of a double standard on this. He quotes John Horgan in opposition with David Eby sitting behind him as an opposition member, calling for the liberal minister, Stephanie Kaju, to be replaced because of the same kind of problems. And Olson just looks across at the New Democrats and said, you should hold yourself to the same standard you demanded in opposition, and Mitzi Dean should be fired for the awful record of her ministry in protecting children. And I have to say, I've seen a number of uh, moments in question period this year. Uh, This is one of the best. Olson really was formidable. And what do the New Democrats do? They just run for cover. Dean gets up, gives a boilerplate answer. There's no intention of firing her um, because they don't hold themselves to the same standard they demanded in opposition. What's terrible about this is like we're coming up on the one year anniversary of of David Eby becoming premier, which means that Mitzi Dean will have been in the job for one year. And in my mind, Vaughn, you know, one year is enough time to show some progress in what your goals are and and how how seriously you take the job in the ministry. And I don't see a whole lot of progress here. No, I, I think I think she's a feeble, weak minister. I think she's demonstrated it. You listen to her answers in the House. Simi, I... I don't like to be too cynical. Some days I think you can be too cynical in this job, but I I did hear from somebody in that ministry, the theory in the ministry, why does David Eby keep 
Mitzi Dean yeah. in the job when clearly what's going on, there'd be justification in replacing her. Um, the cynic line in the ministry is they're keeping her around, waiting for the reports of the child and youth, youth representative, Jennifer Charlesworth, so they'll have someone to fire when those reports come out. I, Yikes. As I said, I hate to be so, too cynical, but you look at this minister's record and you look at what's going on there and you look at what the NDP demanded when they were in opposition, it is very hard to just to think of any reasonable justification for keeping Mitzi Dean in the job when her record and the ministry's record is so awful. Agreed on that one. Avon, thank you for that. Bye-bye, Cindy.